Cody, did you listen to uh, the latest drop on Cody and Cordova podcast feed? Oh, shit. I actually did not. I listened to like the first 10 minutes and then I forgot to go back to it. Fake fan. <laughs> Fake co-host <laughs> of the podcast. Audio, Cody. You know how I have like a list of like movies and stuff? That is on the very bottom of the list, which means it's it's high priority. But I've been looked at it for a couple of days. So that's tough. Appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, Mina and I are doing MK300. So go listen to that. It's a new little series of shorter form episodes. It's going to be more like 20, 30 minutes. So a little bite-sized about increasingly random movies. Plenty of movies that we could talk about uh, normally between Cody and I. And also some that we would probably never touch on this particular podcast. So going to be some fun stuff over there. We're going to keep uh, doing what we're doing here. And today, welcome back to Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Guess how fast we're going now? I don't care, I'm having a baby. You just passed the hospital. Ricky Bobby was born. the fastest man alive. That's my boy, Ricky! Dear Lord, baby Jesus, I want to thank you for my family, my two beautiful sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, and of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly. Woo! Mmm! Ow! You know, it might be cool sometime you could set me up for a win. You can't have two number ones. Yeah, you can. That makes 11. But no man stays on top. Absolutely, ma'am. I'd love to sign your baby. You're not going to want to wash that forehead. Forever. Well, the big news is that NASCAR has gone French. I am coming for you, Licky Booby. He's in the wall. Uh-oh. Yep, I'm flying through the air. This is not good. Ah, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish guy. Help me, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, use your witchcraft and get the fire out From the guys who brought you Anchorman and the 40-year-old virgin. The doctor told us you can walk. It's all in your head. I am so paralyzed. You want to see what my life is? Don't you stick that knife in your leg. Hmm? Oh, my God! Will Ferrell. Ricky Bobby is not a thinker. Give me a fastball, twist a line. What the hell's a fastball? Give me another. Ricky Bobby is a driver. Yeah, it's a real deal down there. Ricky Bobby wins it in reverse. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? That just happened. You don't drive with your eyes. You've got to feel the road. The story of a man who could only count to number one. Embarrassed. I really thought I could feel it. Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. You gotta learn to drive with the fear. <laughs> oh my god! There ain't nothing more frightening than driving with a live cougar. Oh, Ricky, the... control your heart rate! I can't control my heart rate! I got a cougar on me! As always, I'm your host, Corbin's Vocal, and joining me is my co-host. He's all hopped up on Mountain Dew. It's Cody Webb. Cody, what's going on? I'm gonna come at you like a spider monkey. You kind of stepped on. I was going to do a Ricky Bobby quote, but uh, I'm down for uh, some some Walker and Texas Ranger quotes as well. So I'm excited to be here, man. I think it should be a fun episode. How, how are you doing today, Corbo? I'm doing great. Glad that we could uh, finally get this in the schedule, get a chance to sit down. It's been a minute, as we seem to always say when we do these podcasts, but that's adult life, man. 
yeah sucks man adult schedules who, who likes those like come on not very fun and uh, as we enter the holiday season, I'm, I'm sure things will just become uh, increasingly more hectic. So if you want to stay up to date with the new episodes we're releasing, follow us on Spotify. You'll get a notification uh, on the app when you uh, any new episodes get posted, as well as you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Kobe and, Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Cap Podcast, K-H-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And uh, yeah, we'll always be letting you know when the new episodes are coming out. You won't want to miss anything. True. Should be a lot of fun stuff coming out uh, as well. So definitely stay tuned. Yeah, follow us on everything else. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely be uh, updated, obviously. Let's talk about why. Why me? Why did you pick me? You picked this movie. Cody, it's your choice. You did your classic uh, either or with me this time. And uh, it was really down between The Godfather and this movie, which of course have many similarities in, in the ways that they're truly about the, the struggle of men and their families. But what was it that called Talladega Nights out to you at this particular moment? Yeah, I love that comparison uh, between Talladega Nights and The Godfather. They are pretty similar. But yeah, you know, obviously we're just coming off October here. Uh, we're entering the new month and uh, having some, you know, different, different uh, you know, podcast themes, I would say. And with those two options, I mean... I guess it's kind of similar and it's kind of just going away from the horror genre. Um, you wanted something I, more lighthearted in, in the face of a, a month of terror. You were, you were ready exactly. to laugh. <laughs> so if you were terrorized all month and you want to just calm down a little bit, I figured we haven't done a comedy for a while. Um, I think overall we've obviously done grown ups, which is a classic episode. And then I think in between, obviously we did the wrong Missy with a great guest. Uh, shout out Emmy uh, McLaughlin. But I don't think we've done anything. I mean, obviously, everything we do has a little bit of comedy throughout. Right. We have comedy adjacent, but in terms of pure, especially like 2000s or earlier studio comedy, we haven't really uh, delved too deep into it. And uh, well, we definitely not the uh, Will Ferrell world. Yeah, true. We did do uh, We're the Millers. So I forgot about that one. But that was Reason kind of our, our, t- our take on like the last. And that was the late stage. Yeah. The end yeah. of the studio comedy. And this <laughs> is end. like prime time the end of the great comedies so now we're going straight into kind of like you said the prime time of of these great comedies so i just want a different kind of configuration of the pod overall and i figure it's gonna be a fun episode yeah in getting into do you remember do you remember i can't say i remember the first time i watched this movie but i think you'll recall a couple months back i i mentioned re-watching it because christopher nolan had shattered it out as one of his like most rewatchable movies of all time. So if it's good enough for Christopher Nolan, you you know on this podcast, it's good enough for Cody and I. So another great reason to pick it today. <laughs> Very true. I mean, if Nolan says it's good, it, it must be. Like that guy makes everything great. So I'm on board. Like you're saying, I mean, this movie, when was it released? Like 06? 2006. So yeah, I'm. we've said this many times. Neither of us would have seen it when it released. Uh, yeah. I'll say this about this one. It's interesting because... I was not aware of it when it came out. Being a six-year-old, I don't think Talladega Nights like hit me. However, when Step Brothers gets released two years later, I do have like distinct memories of my brother and sister seeing that and like me being old enough to like comprehend that cultural moment. And it obviously continued for a few years on. I think Talladega Nights, we both just kind of completely missed and Anchorman even more so. So this is uh, something I came to much later, probably in high school. I, I can't say for sure the first time I watched it, but we, we were definitely both late, I would say. I'm on the exact same boat. I can't give like a, a super exact date, 
of the first time I watched this film. I figured I just caught like bits and pieces of it probably on TV throughout the years on the old cable stations. But like I said, I mean, just from a cultural standpoint, I feel like this movie and like you said, some of Adam McKay's similar stuff around the era as well, were just something that was in like the cultural zeitgeist. So even if you don't like directly watch the movie, you probably had heard quotes just from like being at school on a daily basis, which I think is the beauty of it in a sense too, because when you do end up going around and watching the movie, I think it makes it even more funnier. I will say I did see this movie before Step Brothers or before Anger. This was like the first Will Ferrell raunchy comedy I ever got a chance to to fully check out an experience. I like that a lot. I think mine was probably Step Brothers first. I feel like that's most like PG of those. I don't comedies. think I watched Step Brothers till I was in college. I'm gonna really? be honest. I think I was freshman year <laughs> college. Step Brothers would be a great episode as well, by the way. But yeah, like you said, I mean, prime, this is prime Will Ferrell. This is prime Adam McKay. This is prime like blockbuster comedy. And the thing with me that for some reason I always come back to it is uh, this could be way off base, but every time like I think about the movie Cars, I also adjacently think about this movie just because I feel like they play off each other so well. Give me a give me a spinoff. I know we don't do pitch time anymore, but give me a Cars Talladega Nights uh, sequel spinoff. That may be the greatest thing um, ever created. Well, and of course, notably both released in the year 2006. So I think you, in your little kid in mind, it makes a lot of sense. Those dang car movies in 06. uh, I don't like the kids one. I think this one's a little bit better. Talk about Hollywood trends. Let's get into our initial thoughts. Good morning, Vietnam! (laughs) My like general take, and it's not necessarily like so, so shocking, but it's like, this is a really good sketch, like a good SNL sketch setup. Yeah but it's as a full movie just doesn't necessarily work. I think it's really funny in parts. There's some lines that I think are the funniest of the 2000s. It's my favorite Will Ferrell movie um, in terms of comedy, but like story-wise, it just hits a snag about halfway through and doesn't really know where to go. Doesn't know how to finish. It's dueling like the father issues with the Sasha Baron Cohen, like villain story and overall just doesn't stick the landing. And it, is so much better is just like give me three minutes of a sketch of of john c Riley and will ferrell going back and forth i completely agree i think we're on the same page there um the second half of this film is utterly pointless i would say uh, we, we really don't need to see it i don't i don't know if i enjoy watching it like you said um i feel like uh from a cultural standpoint this is something that is accepted as a super rewatchable movie um I agree with that, but only within like the first hour to 45 minutes, because after that, well, I think that's if you're with people, it's like you watch the beginning, you're kind of yeah. into it, and then you can just like talk over the second half when it doesn't matter. And then you watch like, the end. The, the pacing 100% is is one of my biggest issues overall, too. So we're we're definitely on the same page there. Um, some of my other initial thoughts. I wanted to uh, shoot it directly to the opening. When I watched this movie before, I don't know if I've ever even kind of gone into like thinking about the opening title card that they show. And I'll well, read it down here because I did write it down, but it says it America is all about speed, hot, nasty, badass speed. And it's a quote from Eleanor Rosenthal. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to ask you, how do you feel about that quote? Do you, do you think that fits like the, the, the overall sense of the movie? Well, it's not a real quote, Cody. <laughs> and... Yeah. So like that's 
like it fits into this general like i'm i'm gonna get into it i guess in the good probably but like this movie is really about like america and southern america and the bush presidency and the bush family and like when you take this idea of american like revisionist history or you, you take someone as prominent of a figure and as powerful as a figure as eleanor roosevelt first lady of the united states uh to one of the better presidents we've had in the course of our history and at a very pivotal time in our history in the 30s and for like depression to world war ii and then you're taking this like raunchy dumbass like quote about nascar and you're attributing like it's like it's like fucking bumper sticker quote like that like that's probably more than anything they saw this on like the back of a truck i don't know exactly where they got the idea but like it's very american and i think it fits the uh the parody nature of the story yeah obviously i mean goes without saying this is a very <laughs> high satirical film here <laughs> and yeah i think they're uh they're making fun of NASCAR culture, obviously, you know, ultimately here, but that blends over into the Southern culture um, entirely. I love this quote. <laughs> I'm just talking about, because it, it brings together two fun concepts. Like, obviously the quote is about speed, which, you know, that's, that's a lightning McQueen uh, quote as well, I guess. But of course, like racing NASCAR. You're not first like, last. I mean, it's the thesis <laughs> statement of the movie. Exactly. And then you throw in some weird off-ball like Eleanor Roosevelt reference and then combining that with like it's doing a, a double meaning of the word speed. I think it's talking about drugs mostly here. Mm. So I think that's really funny. But I just feel like that's a really out-of-pocket thing to start off with and kind of just catches the audience off guard maybe a little bit. And then you go straight into like this racing movie. Obviously, most of the opening is just like um, the origin story of Ricky Bobby, which I'll go into later. I, I don't love all that stuff. Kind of rolling back to roll credits altogether here too. I want to talk about the title a little bit, mm. um, just because the subtitle specifically, uh, "The Ballad of Ricky Bobby," I think is powerful. I don't think we have great subtitles um, in movies in general today. We did just have uh, a recent release. Um, I mean, it's the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, Hunger okay. Games: The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yeah. Which so shout out uh, the Hunger Games writers because at least they're bringing cool subtitles back. But um, I like the use of the word ballad in both those as well. Again, I feel like something we don't see a ton of and obviously just kind of brings up the satirical nature. And it's obviously like a melodrama is the majority of the story. So I kind of like the, the use of ballad in the subtitle there. Yeah, I, I like that. And hey, there's a chance we might be doing that ballad movie uh, soon on the podcast yeah. as well. There's <laughs> exactly. been a request. Back to back ballad movies? Eh? Eh? Who knows? <laughs> Could he, something I wanted to mention that is kind of crazy in the context of now, but this movie had a $72 million budget. And obviously like you can see it, like they shot this in real NASCAR tra tracks. They did it before events, like th they needed the money, but a movie like this probably wouldn't get $70 million today. And if it did, everyone would be like, oh my God, $70 million and it's not gonna make enough. Of course, this movie may opened to 47 million, it's opening weekend, which is the largest of Will Ferrell's career. And then went on to gross 163 total, clearly you know, doubling that 72 million. So it did well enough, but just like very much again, a, a uh, product of its time that we wouldn't see anymore. It is sad, honestly, that uh, we won't be getting, you know, high, high budget comedies like this, you know, going forward, it seems like at least. But like you're saying, it's kind of the prime time of this. And I think it makes sense giving that kind of money to somebody like Adam McKay at the time. But obviously, he, he's proven himself a lot more as the years have gone along here. 
But I like that idea a lot of like finding a good young director in a specific subgenre and kind of just letting them maybe create like a passion project in a sense. Uh, sometimes it does backfire, obviously, but I wish we got more high, you know, high price comedies today. I think that would be a lot more fun. Let's talk about Adam McKay and move on to IMDb known for. Do I know you? I mean, where do I know you from? So we'll start with McKay. His four, The Other Guys, Don't Look Up, Vice, and The Big Short. What do you think about this big four? Do you think it properly represents who he is as a filmmaker? Um, probably one of the few people on this show that you have you seen like everything's directed. Ooh, I I think so. I think I have. Yeah. And I, I think I can say the same as well at this point. Pretty uncommon. I feel like for, for this segment. So I guess props to us um, <laughs> and props to Adam. Okay, but yeah, this four is interesting. I want to hear your thoughts, obviously, but this is definitely not the four that's popped directly into my mind when I think of Adam McKay I think they did go more of the serious McKay which I love the serious McKay but I think they're leaving out a couple of my favorites for sure obviously his career has two sides and it's not really because we'll talk about it with this one this is a very political movie but like his early comedies which were heavily satires mostly people just saw them for the comedy side and then he went on to make movies that were like more about the satirization and had a more distinct message, whether it be the big short advice or don't look up. And I think you got to go to two. I think you got to represent the early career with two and you got to represent the late stage career with two. It's tough because we've talked about it many times. You want to see the Oscar nominated movies get on here. And well, he was nominated for don't look in the big short and vice. So it's like, do you leave one of those off of those three? What do you think? I think, I think you take vice off, even though to me, I don't love don't look up. I just think it had a bigger life than Vice. I don't know. Neither of them. The Big Short has to be on. Oh, I think I think the Big Short is a no doubter. And that's a good point. I, I didn't think about the Oscar bait. IMDb probably will lean towards, you know, movies that uh, are more academy, academy, excuse me, um, you know, accepted and stuff like that. So that makes sense. Um, out of Vice and Don't Look Up, I would honestly probably cut Don't Look Up. Um, I like Vice a lot. I think... Uh, Obviously, both have like great casts and really good writing, but I think just from a historical context standpoint, Vice is a little bit more interesting because it's based on a true story and there's a lot of terrible stuff going on. So I think maybe that's a little bit more interesting for myself, but I agree. Obviously, in here too, we do have the other guys, which I love that. So I think that's one of his more underrated comedies, but I mean- In the transition movie, I think. I mean, it leans more into like the cop, like a, a buddy cop movie than like a pure comedy, like- Talladega Nights but I am surprised that grown-ups and Talladega Nights at least one of those is not on the list so definitely I would probably add uh I would probably slash the other guys too just put those those two movies in uh, slash don't look up as well but it's tough I mean it's a lot of good movies here so it's hard to choose yeah I mean I think you could probably take any of them Anchorman Talladega Step Rose I think I go Talladega has to be there like I said it opened it was Will Ferrell's biggest opening. It probably was Adam McKay's at the time biggest opening. Maybe some of these later movies have surpassed, but um, I don't feel like this is a very good list that really represents who he is as a total filmmaker and total person. It is weird because it's like, they like list the producer credits for these movies yeah. and the, the, instead of him being the director, which he did do both, but it's funny what IMDb puts forth. He has produced a lot of interesting projects obviously succession is a one that we're succession is one that we're a huge fan of even though his role in that was more so he set the style in the first episode as a director helped bring in a lot of the creatives really jesse armstrong the showrunner 
had a lot of control and especially in the second and third seasons was the main guy but winning time movies like fresh that appeared on hulu last year like he's he's had a big book smart a movie you love and we've done on the podcast before another comedy um his, his producerial uh career has been pretty uh, strong as well I think it is funny that like IMDb lists all that stuff as like not the director first. I think that's interesting, but yeah, he he's a pretty, I feel like well-respected guy in Hollywood right now. So anything like he has uh, attached to him in a sense, I think will maybe get a little bit more budget. The same thing with succession, which do you th- I, I think Adam McKay that. might be at his lowest point. <laughs> that's think my so? take. I think his relationship with Will Ferrell is that looks I think point, he, but... I mean, Winning Time, that just got canceled. Um, yeah. I know he's not like, he's not, he's not really Winning Time, the reason, I, I don't know what, don't look up. Yes, it was Oscar. I guess it's hard to say again. His last film was Oscar nominated, but to me, it was made for Netflix and it was a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I like that movie. But... He's not as culturally I mean... relevant. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about, he's maybe one of the most, you know, in terms of popular American filmmakers that people don't know his name. But like now he's even less so culturally on it. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's a good point. For the movies he's made, um, I guarantee like 90% of America has no idea who Adam McKay is. But they all they all 100% know all of his movies. Who's in a better place, Todd Phillips or Adam McKay? <laughs> is Todd Phillips doing Joker 2 or, or is he not? It's releasing next year. One of uh, five comic book movies releasing in 2025. Cody, do you know the other four? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, well, there's only one Marvel what is it? I don't know. I do know it, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, one Marvel movie and three Sony-verse movies on the slate. Oh, well, um, not the Madam Web. That's coming out this year. Uh, Craven the Hunter. That's got to be on the dock here, right? Madam Web is next year. Is it next year? Yeah. Craven the Hunter was supposed to have already come out, but it got strike pushed. Okay. What other Sony-verse movies are there? Well, uh, the third Spider-verse movie, supposedly, right? Does that count? <laughs> yeah i don't think that's gonna come out to be honest but uh, I know Ven- venom 3 is also a legend oh, i would have not got that <laughs> what, what's the marvel movie deadpool 3 oh yeah because yeah, the they just started shooting again i am excited for that too so I'm, I'm happy we need less comic book movies at this point on a yearly basis that's coming from a comic book fan um a comic book movie fan i guess is it, but i'm excited for deadpool 3 how can you not that's gonna be awesome very well maybe a a big resetting in the mcu world we'll see what happens Uh, they do it every movie so whatever sure (laughs) let's move on to feral uh also a freaking collaborative mckay so obviously there's gonna be a little bit of overlap here um talladega nights the ballad of uh ricky bobby i almost said the ballad of songbird and snakes just do a (laughs) crossover movie doing both uh anchorman 2 the legend of continues is what that one is anchorman one, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, and Blades of Glory. Real interesting four here. I'll, I'll say right off rip, I don't think Blades of Glory, despite uh, being featured in a Kanye West Jay-Z song that I will not say the title really? of. We're going to skate to one song, one song only. Despite that, I don't think it has as big of an impact out, like otherwise. It, should it be on the four just because... Uh, Guys were in Paris? Huh? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> no one knows what it means, but it's provocative. No, it's not. It's it gets gross. the people it's, going. It's, that's a good argument. I can't really argue against that, but I would say personally, I, I would leave it off my uh, top four list here. Pretty much no doubt about that. 
do you do you like Blades of Glory in general? I'm not even a big fan of the movie. If I'm, you I know. can't say I revisited it in the last few years. I I would say I imagine it doesn't hold up terribly well. Um, again, we we've a Napoleon Dynamite, another comedy we've done. Cody, shout out, yeah. uh, shout out, we've boy, done a lot of comedies and bench warmers yeah. too. But we're big fans of his. True, true. But I think other than that, this is an okay list. Obviously, it's like weird having both Anchormans. Yeah, I I think it's kind of the Kill Bill thing we were talking about before, where mm. um, if you're gonna have like both of them on, especially. And this is a different situation, I guess, where it's like the OG and then like the legacy sequel. Like for Tom Cruise, are we going to have Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick? I think you just pick your favorite and go with it in a sense. Um, I think there are a lot of underrated gems with Will Ferrell as well. So I think like they have so much room to expand this list. Uh, you could go, obviously, Step Brothers isn't on here. I mean, I can name all every comedy he's done. A really underrated one. Shout out Megamind. I think Megamind should be on this list. Um, did you have any other ones that uh, you'd want to put on here instead? Listen, I'm partial to uh, a little early Stranger Than Fiction. I think that might be his best performance. But Cody, another comedy kind of movie we've done that stars Will Ferrell, Elf yeah. should be on this list, yeah. 100%. Elf How is, is the movie, <laughs> like the Will Ferrell. Uh, I think that, that, is, that expands the most ages, that is, in terms of recognizing. 100%. And I bet on a yearly basis, that's by far his most watched movie. I mean, come Christmas time, I think it's th- like, honestly, I think that's most people's top Christmas movie that like is on their annual watch list. So I was pretty surprised to not see that as well. Yeah. What do you think about uh, his career right now? Last couple movies. Uh, he was obviously the Mattel CEO and Barbie. I don't know. Yeah. You didn't see Strays, right? I did kind not. Of a flop, sag strike otherwise. Looked okay. I, I'll probably catch it on uh, VOD eventually, but I mean, he, he's definitely, I think, winding down uh, on his overall career. I mean, obviously, like young Will Ferrell on SNL, like, is his prime. And that was like the 90s in a sense. So 30 years later, he's getting a little bit older. I like that he's going more behind the camera, kind of doing a lot of producer stuff, uh, more supporting roles, like in Barbie. Um, maybe he wasn't really necessary in that movie, but I still enjoyed him personally. Um, I just, Hope he keeps working for for a few more years, and uh, you know, especially in comedy movies like this, just give him weird supporting roles, and I think that's his niche, kind of like Zoolander two in a sense too. Like, just give him fifteen minutes of screen time, and, and he'll be good. Yeah, and I mean, it's the thing that we've like this whole podcast is also about. Like, comedies aren't really like they used to be, so like his career has had to change and evolve. I mean, let's get him behind the camera. Let's get him. Uh, let's get him directing. Let's see it, or just playing more baseball. I liked when he uh, played all nine positions in a spring training one day that was fun too either or that could be his next move true a lot of sports science that's the thing that i feel like is even a bummer more with um uh winning time that he's not involved with that series because i i think he just would have had a lot of fun in, in general with that but yeah g- give me more will ferrell in live sports too uh that, that's an easy yes what's the uh what's the basketball one what's the uh jackie moon what's it called what's that movie semi-pro semi-pro put that in this for come on i'm done Woody Harrelson's pretty bad in that movie, but yeah, <laughs> got out the alley oop. Not as best. True, he did admit it. Um, <clears throat> moving over to John C. Riley, who has a really interesting four. Um, obviously yeah. known probably most notably as like the sidekick to Will Ferrell, but he's had a extensive career otherwise, and this four will represent that. Uh, Chicago, Guardians of the Galaxy, Boogie Nights, and Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story. Very, very interesting list, I would say. Um, 
for me, I don't hate it. I think it it definitely focuses in on a lot of his supporting roles, which I mean, I feel like historically he is, he is a very yeah supporting actor in a sense. I I think the obvious one on here that you have to include is is Walk Hard. Um, I think maybe that's his best performance, honestly. And obviously he's in the starring role and I think a decent movie. So that's got to be on here. Boogie Nights, I actually love the inclusion of. Um, even though, like I said, it is a smaller role. I think that's a really underrated movie and he's got a fun part in it. I haven't seen Chicago, so I'll skip over that. But obviously we've done Guardians of the Galaxy on this podcast. That's proclaimed by myself as one of my favorite movies. But I don't love the inclusion of of that in his top four. That's just <laughs> like the it's really popular, in. not that he's known for it. His he's list in is the tough. MCU, so I guess I gotta go to stop four. I would definitely take Guardians out here. Yeah. The cool thing is that this list is showing us that he can act. That like he actually is okay. a good actor, and like he's he's been in a PTA movie, he's been in a Best Picture winner, Chicago. Like, and I feel like especially when you get to like the post Chicago, the 2000s, when he's doing stuff with Will Ferrell, a lot of people are like, oh, he's just the dumb comedy guy. And then he's begun to flourish again, late 2010 and 2010s and done other stuff. But I think you still have to have one of those comedies. I don't know, Walk Hard is like a parody movie. Like it's not necessarily a straight drama, right? But like, you've got to have one of the Will Ferrells in there. And whether it's, I think it's this movie probably, cause he's like, I don't know, is don't you think? I would agree. I mean, I think this movie would be perfect because he is the lead. He's the co-lead in a sense. He's not the lead. Yeah. Actually, he's in the movie a lot. So he I think came up with Shake and Bake. It's his thing. <laughs> How can you argue against that? Um, yeah, I mean, comedy is his roots, I think, 100%. So I think including, again, just doing like the little split 2-2, I think would have been good. Again, just eliminate Guardians and throw any Will Ferrell uh, collaboration in here, I think would be awesome. Again, he's really good in like these really small supporting roles though too. So shout out a couple of those that I really like. Uh, the Lobster, which I think he's really fun in, uh, even though he has limited screen time. And then one of your favorites too, uh, Kong Skull Island. He's kind of just um, a crazy guy and I think a fun role, but I would have liked to seen a little bit of disparity here uh, instead of a, a boring Guardians pick. He is a guy that if he pops up for a movie for five minutes, I'm so happy to see him because he's always just going to like throw a fastball, give you some heat. He was in this movie, Stars at Dune, which is Claire Denis, uh, international film, had Margaret Qualley and uh, former, uh, before Travis Kelsey, former uh, boyfriend of Taylor Swift, Joe Alwyn is the two leads. And he literally just hops on a Zoom call five minutes of the movie where he's playing unnamed magazine editor and he just eats it up and he's so fun. He's in Licorice Pizza. He's in, um, obviously, like you said, The Lobster. He's in The Little Dicky Pillow Talking, where he voices God. And that's better than the Little Dicky Earth music video where he got all the celebrities uh, that we talked, that I've talked about with Leo. Um, he's always just doing fun stuff. Um, and it, there's no too small of a role. There's too, too big of a role. Um, I really like John C. Riley, And um, it's a cool four. I think we, we swap out Guardians uh, for Talladega. And it's a lot better. I'm on board. Yeah, I agree too. John C. Riley, he doesn't, he's humble. He has no ego, uh, which is almost non-existent in Hollywood. So shout out to him. Let's move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Cody, why don't you get us started, man? Okay, yeah, okay stop. And I mean, we already mentioned this a little bit, initial thoughts, but my favorite part of the movie is the first half hour, 45 minutes-ish. 
So I'll focus on a few specific scenes uh, from that part of the movie off the bat here. For me, my favorite part of this movie is kind of uh, the satirical um, ad stuff. Mm. Obviously, like they're doing like the interviews and in NASCAR, in any sports, really, of course, you're going to have athletes, you know, saying they support a product. But just like the way that they play with that here, um, they, of course, have like a tampon ad off the top. Um, they got Lucky Charms getting shout outs. The Big Red Gum. If you don't shoot Big, big Red Gum, fuck you. I think that's one of the best lines from the movie. And then Applebee's just has like its entire own segment in a sense where this is more the second part of the movie, I guess. But they all go to Applebee's and it's kind of like a little ad. And then at the end, or actually, I think it's during the crash scene uh, near the, the middle of the movie when Ricky Bobby's car is flipping over like 100 times. They cut to commercial and it show like an Applebee's ad, which I think is really funny. And again, it, it's really kind of just poking fun at the overall uh, NASCAR culture. But the way they do it, I think they couldn't really have done it any better. So that, that's my first ma- massive positive here. Yeah. And I mean, it's very much it's right in, again, McKay's wheelhouse, like the capitalism, the corporatism. NASCAR is a very insane sport where your car is covered in advertisements. So it fits the world super well. I think even like the bloopers over the credits is them doing an ad, right? Um, When they're sitting down at dinner, they're like, we've got our feast at Taco Bell and KFC. They're in the prayer. They're shouting out Powerade because he's legally (laughs) required to. Um, And so it's playing off that so well and it's doing parody so well. And as I've said many times, like it kind of is hard to do parody now, but like parody of George Bush in prime time, like goofy Southern, you know, fool me once, fool me twice. Like it's hilarious and it works. And I, I, I think it was, it was successful then in a way that it can't really be now. So I appreciate this movie. It's, it's less subtle, but more subtle with the, in the way he's doing it almost. Um, he's not punching you right in the face in it, but he's still telling you that it's in the Geneva Convention and you should look it up, right? Like, it, it's clear enough for the people that uh, want to understand it. Yeah, I agree. And it is, it's interesting, like, looking at, like, this comedy compared to his new stuff. Like you said, like, it's saying the same well, he, thing. The thing is, like, this movie's about George Bush. He made another one called Vice, literally about the fucking, like, he's done it. Like, you can compare those two. He makes this movie, and then he makes one about Dick Cheney, and the ways he goes about it just 10 years later are so starkly yeah. different. The style differences, I think, is, is cool to look back on. Um, going along with that, too, I mean, same stuff. The Everything with the interviews, where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, it's really good. And then, of course, the classic interview, this was the quote I was going to start off with. Uh, well, hey, Dick, real simple. I'm the best there ever was. I wake up every morning and I piss excellence. Um, yeah, I think um, that's one of the greatest quotes of all time. And then we got to jump over to that dinner scene as well right away. Um, my favorite scene. In- was, yeah, it's got to be. I was going to say one of my favorite comedy scenes of all time, I think. Of course, like you said, more product placement, all the fast food, I think it's funny and, and definitely fits. And then Walker and Texas Ranger. His kids are awesome. Uh, Shut up, Chip. Maybe one of the best quotes of all time. I think just the confrontation there of the kids. The kids doing whatever they want. And Will Ferrell just being laser focused in on talking about little baby uh, Jesus. While like, the kids in- <laughs> are fighting the entire time. And his wife is so pissed off about it that it's baby Jesus. And the grandpa's <laughs> mad at the kid. It's just... Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg and 
it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist pawing. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, right. but I'm here to party too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say that Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Let's dig in. That was a hell of a grace, man. Pretty you nailed that like a split hog. I appreciate that. I'm not gonna lie to you. It felt good. Dad, you made that grace your bitch. It's an extremely well put together scene. It flows so nicely. It's not that thing where it's like, you know, a lot of this was improv, but you, it doesn't feel, it feels written and it feels, they, they interact well. So so well together and it sucks that the other scenes later in the movie are dragged so much when something like this has just like non-stop energy and laughs 100 like i said too i i bet a lot of it wasn't unscripted but the writing just feels immaculate like i, I feel like you can't change anything in this scene it, it's almost perfect in that moment even like the kids want off lines like i said i thought like the spider monkey lion or anything where they're yelling at chip i think probably was a little bit off the top um but the editing and then, like you said, just the chemistry between everybody just makes it absolutely perfect. I can't hold my tongue. These kids are my grandchildren, and you are raising them wrong. They are terrible boys. Shut up, Chip, or I'll go ape shit on your ass. I'm gonna scissor kick you in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, turn up the heat. Go on and get some, boys. Come on. I'm 10 years old, but I'll beat your ass. Chip, I'm gonna come at you like a spider monkey. Like a spider monkey, go on. Chip, you brought this on, man. Greatest generation, my ass. Tom Brokaw is a punk. What is wrong with you? Chip, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> I love that. You gonna let your sons talk to their grandfather like that? I'm their elder. I sure as hell am, Chip. I love the way they're talking to you. Cause they're winners. Winners get to do what they want. A couple other like scene quote things I wanted to shout out. Um, when he crashes, like, first of all, 
all the racing and all the crashes like actually look pretty good. They did a good job of, of actually filming this stuff practically. And that crash is real. Like they crashed a car. Um, but then when he gets out of it and thinks he's on fire and is just running around and screaming that he's on fire, rolling, like that, that's hilarious. Great acting from Will Ferrell. John C. Riley comes out there, tries to save him, doesn't help. Um, and then when he, of course, is running around. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish guy. Help me, Allah. Help me, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, use your witchcraft on me. Uh, great stuff from him. Um, and then he ends up in the hospital, and he's obviously claiming that he can no longer walk, which is, you know, whatever. It's kind of a dumb joke. But then he stabs himself in the leg to prove that he's paralyzed. Um, and then, of course, the, the great line, use the knife to pry it out, <laughs> using the uh, other knife to pry the first knife out. Uh, real brilliant stuff, but uh, a lot of funny moments. I think that might be my last really big laugh of the movie, and then it it takes a big dive off the cliff. I agree. That was the next thing I wanted to talk about was, first off, the ridiculous crash where it goes on for like 10 minutes. I like that a lot. And then, um, like you said too, I think Michael Clark Duncan is underrated comedically. I think uh, historically for his career, obviously RIP as well to him, but I don't think he had a ton of, of comedic stuff. So him in like a role like this as obviously like the crew chief guy, I think it's perfect. And, and that hospital scene, I think is his best one uh, throughout the film. I, I agree with you too. Like everything on the racetrack is great, but once we leave that, I think that's where it slows down a ton with that pacing. Um, we get to like a bunch more backstory with his dad, which I'll go into later. Um, but I think that specific cutoff point of like the knife joke after that is mostly a wash for me. I, like we we're saying that that 40 minute or 45 minute mark wherever it's at i think it's almost peak comedy but i think you could scrap the rest of the movie and i would be completely fine but yeah i agree like the racing is pretty realistic in a sense um all the ad stuff surround around that everything with the interviews him running around just in his whitey tighties and then john c Riley coming and tackling him it, it's all amazing and uh everything with the pit crew too you got todd packer in there you got jack mcbriar uh, a fun group overall so yeah i'm a big fan of, of everything nascar related i guess in this movie which kind of feels weird to say but yeah we haven't uh really talked about him yet um and we haven't gonna get mentioned in another category but sasha yeah. barrett cohen <laughs> um the the role we'll talk about it in the ugly mm -hmm. i don't know if anybody despite despite everything like i don't know if anybody else could do that and still make me want to watch it. Like Sasha Baron Cohen is the only person that can quite pull that off. Um, he disappears into all of his various characters in some way or another. Um, and this is just uh, another one for the ages for, uh, for Sasha doing an accent. I think um, his acting merit, you really can't question, but the roles that he chooses, I do question a lot. Um, like you said, he's good in this. There's a lot of problematic stuff that we'll get into, but I think from a comedy standpoint, he was the best guy that they could have gotten probably just because he makes it funny um, where a lot of other people, it would probably just be extremely offensive, which it already is, but at least he makes it a little bit funny. Yeah. yeah because like Sasha Baron Cohen is so committed to everything he does. Like he's not, uh, there's nothing like disingenuous about it or really even hateful in what he's doing. And the movie is not trying to be hateful. We'll talk about like why it doesn't quite hold up in a certain way, but I think he really works in a, in a weird way. I agree. I will recast him later. Spoiler alert. Me, but me too. <laughs> I think he's good. He's definitely good. I'm going to change the role a little bit, just in general. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any more good? 
that was pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, me as well. Uh, let's move over to the bad. Um, you kind of mentioned like the what was it the twenty five to forty mark you were identifying? Yeah, it's it's hard to gauge exactly where it's at. But... I wanted I wrote down the movie cooks from minute nine, which is when the first race happens. So get rid of all the shit before that. Yeah. First race, minute nine, he hops in the car. Also, fucking so stupid that that's how he got into the race. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Pretty dumb. I feel like they could have come up with something a little bit better than that. The driver just, just like, quits. <laughs> He's just getting a hot dog or whatever at the concession stand. Like, and they're like, the rain. oh, Will Ferrell, it's your time to shine. I don't think that. Yeah. Pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. But he gets in the car, minute nine, first race to minute 47 which is when he arrives at the house and he realizes that his wife has been stolen by John C. Riley. And then it's over. Everything after that, you can just end the movie there. Like, I don't even care. Oh, sorry, Ricky Bobby, your life sucks. Like, movie's over. I had a good, uh, what is this, 38 minutes of laughs. There you go. Hey, that 40 minutes, man. The perfect 40 minutes. There's got to be some sort of cut somewhere where it's just that. Um, but yeah, I agree. Everything else is kind of just filler at that point. Um, another person... We've not talked about yet. Who's in this movie? Unexplicably, one of my favorite actresses working today, Miss Amy Adams, um, in a very interesting role. Pretty much a nobody role here. Um, I mean, she doesn't even really show up until well, she's in it, but she doesn't actually do anything until she gets like her face through. signed pretty early on. That's like the first time you yeah. see her, and then she's like just disappears. I guess that's kind of funny. It's it's obviously just like uh, playing out the trope of like, um, you he know, he signs some boobs, girl. he signs a baby, yeah. he signs his assistant. <laughs> yeah, the assistant, and then oh, she takes off her glasses and she's really hot or whatever. Right. So yeah. I think that's dumb. And they're just completely uh, misusing Amy Adams here, which I feel like she would have been really good in uh, the main uh, female role here, just Ricky Bobby's wife. Who is played by who? What's her name? Something. Uh, she's in a lot of TV stuff that I know, but I, nah, it's not Catherine Heigl. I can never remember her name. <sighs> it's just, uh, why, why did I close the fucking? Television? It's on the tip of my damn tongue too. She's in the league. Shout out that show, but she's good. Leslie I don't think Bob. she's bad. But Leslie Bibb. Leslie Bibb. Yeah, <laughs> Leslie Bob. Shout out Leslie Bob. Um, Leslie Bibb's good. I think she in her in itself is a pretty underrated actress. Like I said, she's in a lot of little stuff that I like. But I feel like putting Amy Adams in that specific role would have been using her 10 times better just because even like we get to the end and that's supposedly the payoff for this character. But she's just like, oh, do it for yourself. Why don't why doesn't he do it for her? Like, why is she even here in a sense? So it sucks that Amy Adams is wasted. I'm definitely going to recast her as well. But that's kind of my big thing that I I really dislike is just like give Amy Adams more to do. Why would you not want to do that? I don't know. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously Amy Adams would go on again to collaborate with McKay many yep. times and, and get more prominent roles um, in his movies. I think in general, jumping to the ugly here, just the treatment of women all around is pretty bad. I don't think Amy Adams really gets to speak outside of the like, oh, it's me, I'm yours. Like she does not get to have real dialogue until an hour and 10 minutes into this movie. And it's that bar scene. And then that's supposed to be her like big, like you said, she takes off her glasses, she lets down her hair. Oh my God, she's hot. Such a dumb old trope, uh, the classic librarian thing. But just like, that's so bad, the way it handles his wife character. I, I think you're right. Just have Amy Adams be his wife the whole time. And even if she leaves him, like maybe he doesn't need a love. Like, I don't I don't think you need this weird. And again, it's this movie is about like a sexist, misogynistic culture and, and weird things. So like the character, it makes sense for the characters. But Amy Adams, give her give her character something to do in the first 
70 minutes of the film and then I'll maybe excuse it a little bit. Like, it's just, you can't just be like, oh, she shows up and now I'm hot. and like, I'm okay with it. Like have her at least be there a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. And kind of sticking with half ugly, half bad here. Another female character. Okay. Yeah. Was, um, and it's wife. The team, the team leader's guy wife. Yeah. I think it's Molly Shannon. Who's in that role, right? Yes. Mrs. Yeah. Dennett is her name. She's funny. Like I like Molly Shannon again and a lot of other stuff, but like this role just sucks. Like it's just like a drunken horny drunk wife. wife. <laughs> <laughs> Who's worse at writing wives? Is it Christopher Nolan or Adam McKay? Ooh, <laughs> we wonder why he likes this movie. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he rewatches it constantly. Yeah, tough. But uh, I think she's wasted too. I mean, like you're saying, kind of every female role in here is kind of just the same thing. Which again is is kind of the point. But when you have like talented actresses like this from a comedic standpoint. I feel like wasting them to this degree is is something we can't really look past. You know what I think would fix this movie? Just replace the Jean Girard character. Make it a female driver. Like, just have a badass, like, F1 female driver that, like, shows up and kicks ass. Because then it's the same thing. Like, they can all be like, oh, it's a woman. And we're like, like, you you still get the same point across of, like, the gay shit. But you actually give women something to do. And you're making a better statement. That is perfect, Loki. I think... um take any of those three ladies we just mentioned in this movie and, and give them the the primary villain role i'd love to see molly shannon do that honestly that'd be so much fun but well, i've got yeah. someone but i'll save it for the recast for you Cody. <laughs> love it i'll jump into a couple other small things i had here oh actually i did have a question for you because the whole nickname stuff is interesting i think shake and bake is good it's obviously a classic but of course they break up and they came up they come up with new uh sort of nicknames I'm not a massive fan. I want to hear, hear your thoughts, though. We, of course, have the Magic Man, which is John C. Riley, and then El Diablo, which is Will Ferrell. Um, which one's your favorite? Do you like those? I'm not a massive fan, I don't think. Uh, I'll be the Magic Man. You can be El Diablo. I'll, I'll claim that now. Right, no, it's, I mean, Shake and Bake, nothing can live up to Shake and Bake, even if it doesn't make sense. Shake and Bake. <laughs> doesn't make sense, but it works. I think this is just kind of a bad sports movie in general. Like I don't, you know, like in the, and I get it's like NASCAR. So it's like, Oh, is it really even a sport? Yeah, sure it is. But um, it's just not a successful sports movie for that very reason of like, when you have the big fall and then you need the big training montage that normally is like, yes, this is the fucking moment in the movie. It just fucking sucks. And you've got Gary Cole, you got Gary Cole, you know, putting cougars in cars. And it's just like, it doesn't work as a sports movie. It's not funny at that point. It's, it's, it hits, uh, is, is completely unsuccessful. I think you would cut his dad out of the movie entirely. Let it be a story about him kind of reconciling with his mom after a rough childhood. And then you like actually give something for Jane Lynch to do other than have the weird, like, I'm going to teach Walker and Texas Ranger how to behave subplot, which like I said, I, I like him, but I don't like that that's what they have to do in the second act. Like, it's it's stupid that just everything is dumb. Give me a better training montage. Give me a better sports movie. Get rid of his dad. I agree. Shout out Rocky for. Um, But yeah, I mean, everything with his parents, in a sense, I think is a bit useless. Uh, even though the cougar bit is kind of funny, but yeah, everything other than that is bad. And then bouncing off what you were saying with just like the overall sports movie, I agree with that completely, too. I mean... The 1v1 race at the end, um, I feel like they're ripping off cars almost, like what you're saying. Like, maybe these scripts, it was a similar thing with, like, the prestige and the illusionist. Like, it's overlapping scripts a little bit, which I don't love. 
And I think that's just a really dumb way to like end a movie like this too. Like it's such a team sport um, in a sense. And then you're just going to narrow it down between two guys just because that's what you want to do for the plot. I don't love it. Actually like yeah. make it realistic. Sport, Foot think. race. Yeah. It's dumb. And then of course, I mean, you know, whatever. John song, C. Riley gets to win in the end. Sure. The song with that is good though. Um, oh, we belong together. We belong. We belong together. I think that's a great song, but um, pretty dumb ending. What do you got for the ugly, Cody? I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. We obviously, this is a mid two thousands comedy. Just want to say it off the bat, and they are poking fun and everything here, but I, I don't really love uh, most of the homophobic stuff in here, especially that. Um, initial bar scene i feel like that conversation i just wasn't interested in um i do like um the snapping of an arm i think that's pretty comedic but everything is surrounding conan o'brien's co-host as well like Andy they're like, yeah like they just give him like some weird subplot where he's a german dog instructor or whatever i don't know like if they actually focused on their relationship i think maybe it would have been a little bit more interesting but they don't really have anything to say other than oh, of course, they're going to kiss at the end. Like, I don't know. I feel like this is classic, like, mid-2000s comedy where they don't really know what to say about some of the um, homophobia and stuff. And it's a massive part of, like, this NASCAR culture. So I think it makes sense with the overall themes. But the execution, I I just don't like it all. Yeah, and especially because it's, like, not even it's just doing the, like, oh, gay, you know, homophobia angle. It's, like, French is gay, like, laugh at them dumb europeans like that's what the big and again it it fits into the extreme nationalism and patriotism of the sport and it's just continuing and parodying that but when the movie is doing it the movie's making it its joke as well i just think you're not trying very hard and you're kind of just it's it's ill-intended to me and i and i wish that it would be different because i feel like the movie would be so much better um Again, like, I, I don't think it's like, it's not like it's terribly hateful in the no. way it's doing. It's just, it could be a lot better. Sometimes it does just get cringe in, in points too, especially near the end. Yeah. You're, I mean, it's, you're not, you don't have the gay character as your foil because like, you're trying to like, say that the, like people can be gay. You're doing it because it's a joke and it's othering and more making the character more alien and making you want to dislike him more right um and i'm not listen i'm on i honestly i'm on sasha barico inside <laughs> he's just sitting there drinking his macchiato driving around i think he deserved to win he did snap his arm for no reason though. I mean, uh, <laughs> he told him <laughs> fair warning he did tell him to do it I guess. still tough. i mean that music he was playing i mean that was pretty bad too i'm not gonna lie not not the best but the Frenchies, man, they got their own culture. You know, we don't understand it. Two racers have cameos in this movie. Um, I didn't really clock one of them, but I know Dale Earnhardt is the like very yeah. prominent one because I like kind of know what he looks like. Not a good actor, just a bad scene. He like rolls up and he's like, "Hey, Ricky Bobby," that's like, and it's just no. Get the get the hey, man Ricky, off screen. Don't give me any lines. I love you, Ricky. You're my favorite. <laughs> don't tell the other guys. <laughs> he can drive, but he he can't act. Who's the, who's the other cameo? I don't think I even know. I I don't know. It was in the... I oh, I thought you had it. <laughs> I just know that there play. is another one. I didn't even care enough. Oh, Jamie McMurray. I don't know who that is. It's there you go. By some mid-2000s guy who sucked. So shout out. Jamie McMurray, if you're listening, come on the pod and tell us about it. But I have no idea who you are, bud. Good luck to you, though. Any other ugly? 
No, I feel like we covered most of the the sexist stuff I wanted to go over as well, so I'm good. Commercial break, and we'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like you want to say something else. No, I think that's it. Um, And we'll be back. And we're back with Invite Fight Night. Totally invite your personal friend Spider-Man. I want to fight you. Hans. Booby. I'm your white knight. Kind of already said it. I'm a fan of his. Let's get Jean Girard on the show. F1 becoming uh, increasingly more popular. I think they just held a race in Las Vegas last weekend. Um, sorry, becoming increasingly more popular in the United States. It's incredibly popular, uh, obviously, internationally, but increasingly more popular here. And I think we can kind of parlay some of that success by, you know, getting the master on the show. <laughs> I don't hate it. It would definitely be a, a fun episode, I think. Uh, anything Sasha Baron Cohen related, I'm on board. Um, my invite, I'm going with a different angle here. I'm going to go for a duo. You can't really split them up, I don't think, here. I'm going for uh, Walker and Texas Ranger. Um, we can do it either way, really, too. We can do, like, directly from this film, or we could do, like, a legacy sequel, in a sense, a legacy podcast, I would say, uh, and bring them on a little bit older. Obviously, they just, like, the sound bites would be amazing. And I think we would have to bring a surprise guest, uh, Chip, just to bring the house down at the end as well. Uh, hopefully that actor is still alive. I, I was just, well. I was I was gonna say the character of Chip. Well, that's know, but um, both of them sure. Are. Yeah, maybe the actor. I too. think just pure chaos. Uh, I just want to recreate that dinner scene mostly. So yeah, bring me the the trio of of Chip and, and the kids. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, doing. I'm just gonna look to see. He's got. He's dead. gotta be close if he hasn't. Um, yeah. Who is it? Chip. Where's Chip at? Chip. <laughs> Ted Manson plays Chip, Shut and up, he Chip. unfortunately passed away 15 years ago in June of 2008. Oh. So, all right, um, honorary RIP uh, to Chip, obviously. But uh, we're we're gonna go the OG. Then we're gonna just pull him straight out of this movie and, and have a fun time. Yeah, we'll bring him back. The people have uh, been waiting 15 years. Fight Cody. Um, I'm gonna fight Dennett. I don't like the dude. He's just bitching about how the car's $2,000, $200,000 and Ricky Bobby this, Ricky Bobby that. Obviously, he's not that great of a husband either because his wife is just drunk all the time and he doesn't really seem to even notice or care. Um, so, yeah, overall, I, I think I'll uh, I'll punch him. I respect it. Did he get clocked? I can't I can't remember. I don't – I think Wouldn't surprise should. me. I think maybe maybe it did happen. I don't know. Maybe his wife, I'm saying. I don't remember. I won't um, fight his dad because his dad dies, but I'll fight him. Good guy. Respect. <laughs> my fight. I'm surprised you didn't pick this. Honestly, I'm going with Ricky Bobby's dad. Um, we even talked a ton about him. Obviously, most of it was in the bad, but he's just a dick. I mean, straight up that his origin story scene of him showing up to like career day and just traumatizing Ricky Bobby by saying, if you're not first, you're last. I mean, that's pretty messed up. That's pretty much the the one-on-one way of how to mess up a, a young child, I would say. So I think he deserves one. And like I said, the Cougar's cool, but he didn't even let him know there was a cougar in the car. Um, so he's just asking for him to die at the same time as well. So pretty much just for his entire life, uh, I feel like he deserves one. So. Yeah. And the, I mean, like the cocaine cereal switch thing, like under yeah. the car. Nothing. Like, yeah, <laughs> that is tough. I don't like him. <laughs> Call um, the cops on your own kid just for him to to, uh, to drive again. A little it, extreme, uh, You I know, say. I guess it worked, but whatever. Um, night, Cody. 
I'm going to actually throw it back to that career day scene. And it's the Waffle House manager. Um, he was just a guy there trying to, you know, show up for his kid's career day, let the kids know what it's like to be a Waffle House manager. And then uh, I, I just think he uh, he's a hero. And I, I love his line of, ma'am, I don't know what else you want me to say to them. And I'm also going to need to know where your commode's at. <laughs> he's made a few words. He knows what he needs to do. And that's make waffles for everybody. So yeah, I respect it entirely. I think that's a fun night. As everybody on the internet knows, waffle houses are essentially war zones. So being a manager of one, I think you're deserving of a night. And uh, just the fact that he's so calm in his demeanor as well is is impressive. I feel like that would wear down on you. Lay back, man. You have to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my night, I'm going off kilter here. I'm going to knight the cougar. Um, shout outs. Uh, first job to uh, my high school, our mascot was the Cougars. Go Cougs! Me that. Okay, <laughs> and then I think too, like uh, he's got to be the first Cougar ever to be even, you know, be in consideration to be knighted. So I think that's cool. And also just having like a massive cat like that driving shotgun with you. Um, I don't know how many of the scenes like they did with uh, Will Ferrell was real with that. I assume not too many, but I feel like just that vibe of like driving down the street with your windows down and there's a cougar sitting shotgun is uh it's pretty badass so i think uh a, a knight is deserved for that alone i think i could befriend it as well i i, I think we'd be homeless i think you might bite me but we'll, we'll be boys recast cody bond james bond my name's bond james bond the name's bond james bond the name's bond James Bond. Who do you want to recast? Yeah, I got a couple. I'll, I'll kick it off with my Amy Adams replacement. Like I said, I, I kind of just want to swap her into the, the lead role here. Uh, give me Leslie Bibb, but we'll, we'll uh, bring some other people into audition as well. I was thinking, well, I was thinking like fake country, which I feel like is a hard niche. Um, but I kind of just went in an, an entirely different direction. What about Rebel Wilson? What, what's she mm. doing these days? I don't know, but I feel like she'd be, have a fun time doing like a country accent. Obviously, she's, you know, not from America. So I feel like she would really dive into kind of the uh, the fun side of of a country, uh, you know, wife, I guess, in a sense. But yeah, why not? Anybody else but Amy Adams, I'm kind of on board here. I think the the back and forth with Will Ferrell would be uh, better than oh, yeah. Leslie. She's got the comedic chops for sure to, to keep up with them. I like you? that. So if we're, I have two takes. If Let's change John Gerard, just period, right? I, I suggested the the female driver take, so let's start with that one first. And I'm going to actually take somebody who's already in the movie, and you might think, oh, Amy Adams, right? Put her behind the wheel of the car. No, Jane Lynch is going to be the driver of this movie, and she's going to be the villain. Like that, come on. She doesn't need to be his mom. First of all, Jane Lynch is only like eight years older than Will Ferrell in real life, yeah. so it doesn't really make sense um, that she'd be playing his mom. So have her just be the foil. I, I think she's a, a good comedic actor and I think she would make sense as a race car driver as well. I like that a lot, honestly. Um, she's a badass too. Like she's intimidating. She could definitely play a good villain, I think, to to bounce off of, of Will Ferrell, but I'm In, on board. I'll, give me that sequel. I'm 100% on board. <laughs> she has to come back and she's a driver now. In that version oh, yeah. of the movie where she's no longer his mother, I'm not going to make it like a right. mother is the villain thing. Um, well, we'll bring in Sissy Spacek and she can play the mom and uh, we're going to replace his dad with Sam Elliott. And it's just going to be the true Southerner <laughs> round crew and uh, some, some good actors. Yeah. I'm surprised Sam Elliott wasn't in this movie, honestly, just with his accent. But yeah, I don't hate it. Um, I do have a Jean 
I don't even know. I got a John Gerard. John Gerard. Well, basically, it's confusing because the guy I'm replacing Sasha Baron Cohen with, his name is also Jean. I'm gonna go with Jean Dujardin, who you may not know. Yeah, you you may not know until you look him up, but then you'll probably know him. Uh, One of my favorite roles of his uh, in The Wolf of Wall Street. Of of course, he plays the Swiss banker. So I feel like that's a common reference. Like I said to you, I mean, he was in The Artist. He's been in a ton of great stuff. I kind of just want a legitimate Frenchie in this role just because like the playing up of the accent, I think, takes me out of the movie a little bit. So if you actually cast somebody who has a really good French accent, they can just have like a ultimate fun and, and kind of just be this crazy bad guy. Um, and he's got a lot of range. I mean, you can't tell me Jean Dujardin doesn't have range. So I'd like to see him in this mostly just because he's French. I think that's actually a, a really good pick, Cody. I like that one a lot. That's a oh, deep cut. Thanks, Shout out Jean Dujardin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guarantee most of you guys listen like who the hell is Jean Dujardin, but look him up. You, you probably know who he is. He's got a he's got a recognizable face. Yeah. If we want to do just like like the dumber version of the movie, but it's still not problematic. We're not gonna make him gay. Just make him like a city boy kind of race driver. Because like there's NASCAR drivers who are more liberal, more like more you know urban yeah. pop. Like you know there's not it's not all southern folk, right? So you could still have a a villain like that and i'd have bradley cooper play that role and uh again this is prime time bradley cooper's doing the comedies but he's also a fucking handsome motherfucker and he can he can play a you know a, a souped up city boy behind uh, the wheel of a car i like that is he uh is he in like wedding crashers shape where he's like a, a tank or are we going a little skinnier bradley cooper <laughs> what, what, what are we a little skinnier maybe a little later uh think uh more dogs probably cooper <laughs> I think all right, fair I think that, that would be funny though too because you could play off like more of the fighting culture in NASCAR, which we get a mm. little bit of that. But we could actually have like an extended fist fight scene. I think between like Ricky Bobby and and Bradley Cooper, which would be fun. Yeah, and you could like make them long term arch rivals rather than having just like an outside Frenchman coming yeah. in. Yeah, I'm on board. I like I like both those ideas a lot. Get this guy in the writers' room, man. Or or Bradley Cooper could be just like Canadian or something. Moving on to the rating. Do you like me? Cody, what do you want to give this out of 69? This is a tough one. I feel like comedies in general are obviously very, very subjective. Obviously, I mean, this is my pick, so I like this movie a good deal. I think I'm going to slot it in at a 53 out of 69. I think that's probably going to be miles above you, but I like this movie a lot, even though obviously there are a lot of massive flaws, especially in the pacing. But I think the good stuff is so good that I'm going to put it on that 53 threshold. I'm going to give this a 41 out of uh, 69, which, you know, is similar to some uh, recent ratings we've gotten. I've, I've been in like the 43, 42 range on uh, Alaska. What was it that we did? Um, it probably. And yeah, it was. What else? Did it, it, did it was it. And um, I mean, Captain Marvel last week, I gave a 43. Ratatouille, I gave 43. I gave Insidious a 42. Oh. I'm going to give this a 41. I think it's worse than all those movies. Uh, but only slightly. Hashtag justice for Ratatouille. But yeah, I think that makes sense for, for your overall placement. I like it. You might also like it. Who knows? You might like it. It's a killer rush. What, what are you recommending to the people who are fans of uh, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby? I mean, off the bat, I would recommend most most of other uh, Adam McKay's productions. You haven't seen those. Like I said, um, the other guys especially, I feel like is an underseen one in a sense. Um, and one of my favorites of his. But other than that, moving past Adam McKay, a couple of just classic comedy picks here. Happy Gilmore, 
I mean, Adam Sandler's best. A great sports movie. If you want to see a great sports movie, go watch Happy Gilmore. And then after that, just go watch Billy Madison too, because it's really good. But yeah, I'm sticking with The Sandman this week. Comedies can go all sorts of directions, but uh, also, I mean, Succession too. If you haven't seen Succession, again, it doesn't have a ton to do with Adam McKay, but uh, it, it's pretty awesome. So th- that's those are my overarching uh, whatever. Definitely go uh, check out The Big Short. That's my favorite of Adam McKay's uh movies. those are my overarching recommendations because i can't remember words but yeah Corbin, what what would you say uh, you might also like here um for me the big short is definitely my favorite adam mckay movie i like him as a filmmaker it's up and down i, I think vice is is pretty solid I, I again i've talked about i don't i think i was just disappointed with don't look up but i really like the big short it's one of my 25 30 favorite movies of all time um so check that one out in terms of racing movies uh Ford v. Ferrari fucking slaps. 2019, the year of the movies. Matt Damon, Christian Bale. I know it's not really that similar to this, but if you like cars that go fast, go watch Ford versus Ferrari. The true dad movie of uh, that the dad. 2010s. I, I saw that movie a little bit later, and I feel like it was overhyped for me a little bit. I do like it a lot. Uh, Matt Damon, Christian Bale. I mean, what, what a cat. Ass, you can't go wrong. Another great racing movie too. Shout out Rush. I was, you uh, know, Chris I, I don't like that one as much, but I knew you'd bring it up for me. Cody. I love that movie. Great movie. You got any other Rex? <laughs> That's all I've got. The final question, Cody. All right, listen, I got one last question for you. Mm-hmm. I'll start here. If you were a NASCAR driver, it. what car would you have as your sponsor? Ooh, are we talking like from this movie or just in general? Just, yeah. What would be your sponsor in general, in real life? What's your hmm. brand? I feel like I like very specific things. So this shouldn't be that hard. Um, I want the Panda Express car. That's my take. Oh, that's a great choice. That like massive Panda just on your hood. Would be exactly. As well, yeah. little red, uh, black and white uh, car. That'd be nasty. What are things I like? I feel like I like super. super <laughs> you mean the Jimmy John's car, Cody? I don't know. The Chipotle <laughs> car? Or Qdoba. Yeah, sorry. Qdoba, J- yeah. Ooh, Doba would probably have to be my number one. I would go out and promote them like crazy, but yeah, Doba. What? Uh, <laughs> there's got to be other big uh, Fasolis. That's a great. You're one. not a big Wendy. brand guy. I will say that. Maybe oh, you could be yeah. like the the Xbox car. I guess the, yeah. the you could do, pick. Like, a, is there a studio? Specific. Netflix? Could you? You're not a big the, the Hulu man. I don't know. But the Max the Max purple car that'd be fun. <laughs> Ooh. Um. What about Days like David Zaslav's bitch? Hellman's pickles. That's a great one. That's a great sponsor. There you go. Or uh, anything uh, pasta related. How about like uh, I spaghetti said sauce? Olive Garden. Yeah, give me a uh, Prego. Give me a Prego sponsorship. Yeah. I'd be the ragu car personally, but that's just me. <laughs> I respect it. What, did you have a sponsor? For you, Cody? Fortnite? Yeah, I would like that one. That would be weird though, because would you have to like wear a skin as your as your suit? You probably would. I think you just automatically get a skin in the game. You get to hang <laughs> out with Eminem. That would be banana. Um, my final question for you here. I don't know. I got a couple, if I'm being honest. So we'll run through both these. But uh, first off, this is a hypothetical. If we put these three people in a race car on a racetrack, who do we think is going to win the race? Chip, <laughs> Walker, and Texas Ranger. Who's coming out on top? Uh, which one? I gotta figure out which one is <laughs> which one's Walker, which one's Texas Ranger. I, I think, I I think Texas Ranger's the ginger kid. 
I, and then there's no fucking way I'm going to, because if I search Walker Tech, okay, here we go. Walker Texas Ranger Tyler. I think next. <laughs> um, I think curly headed fucker, uh, who very well may be just John C. Riley's child. Do we know that's a conspiracy Ooh. theory right there? Just looking at that's him right perfect. now. Um, go with Walker. Yeah, I'm going to take Walker and then. Chip is getting last place just because rest in peace to to Tom and his soul. But I think he's having a heart attack on this finish line or on the starting line. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Texas Ranger, he he chugged a little bit too mount too much Mountain Dew. He'd crash about three fourths of the way through. True, those spider monkey scales aren't going to help behind the wheel, unfortunately. <laughs> and my, I, I did want to quickly go over to your second question as well, but I don't know if you've been seeing on Twitter. There's been a lot of debate recently about cars and who is the goat in the cars universe now again this is not really talking about this episode but do you have any thoughts on who the goat uh, in racing in the cars universe is and did you see any of this discourse on twitter i think i did see some of it i'm just gonna say this right off the bat i'm not a big cars head uh i'm kind of out on cars uh i have seen them (laughs) But I like the who's, uh, who's the old guy? What's the the yeah. his mentor from the first one? What's that guy? Uh, the king. He's, the king. Yeah. Don Echo Don. Yeah, Don. He's he's yeah. definitely the goat. Even though obviously Lightning Queen is better than him because whatever. I feel like his I, it's more about feel. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the obvious choice is Lightning McQueen here, but there are some other uh, some stranglers. But I just wanted to bring. He won three Piston Cups before. Like I don't fucking care. Doc Hudson. Well, the thing is, too. Yeah, it's a big argument with Doc Hudson because he won three, and that was his rookie year, the first one he won, and then he he had a bad crash and he was done after that. But Lightning McQueen, he's got I think like six or seven all time, but obviously each had like a longer career. Um, and then there's this new Jacks guy who's in the third one. Who had, he had a bunch of titles, but then he ended up losing to like this basically like trainer who's the, the lead. I think her name is like Holly or whatever. I think that's actually the, the girl's name in the second one. I don't even know what the girl's name in the third one is. But um, yeah, there's been a lot of debate on Twitter, so I thought that was funny. But my goat is probably Lightning McQueen, if uh, if I have to say so. Yeah. yeah. But I, the I the uh, the dunk guy, he he was racing for like. 40 years like that race we saw in the original cars he is like a grandpa car at that point i didn't realize he was that old in the movie because he won he won a, a, a piston cup i was doing a lot of research on this if you get tell. i'm just letting you go for it Cody. in the in the 70s he won a piston cup and then cars was released 06 i said like you believe i think he won like one or two before that so i think he won in like 03 or 04 or something so his just you know longevity i, I thought was impressive but I feel like you can't really go against, you know, Lightning and Queen in, in the GOAT conversation here. Did they make three movies about that guy? No, they fucking didn't. The three movie mini draft. Well, it is draft day. We're doing Adam McKay movies. We we uh, didn't want to spoil too much at the beginning of the show. Um, I think, who has the first pick? Oh, was our last episode? I think it was your pick, right? So I probably have the first pick. Yeah. All right, Cody, take it away. Take the first pick. <laughs> you don't sound too happy about it. Um, I mean, like we said, Adam McKay's filmography here. He's got a lot of great stuff. It's hard to choose between my favorite comedies and my favorite of his newer stuff, which, again, is also comedies. But I'm going to go with the big short here. Um, I really, really enjoy this movie. 
And especially now that I'm working in the mortgage industry, it actually makes a lot more sense on a rewatch. So I think it's really cool. It's kind of just like a, a movie about my life in a sense uh, that hopefully never happens again, but great performances, unbelievable uh, script. I think his best script by far. And yeah, I think it is my favorite of his. So I got to take it first. Definitely is a hit for me. I already said it's, it's my favorite. So screw you, Cody, for uh, pulling that from me. I think I'm going to take, yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, I feel like to me, like the big short is like ahead above everything else. And then it's kind of pretty even. I do think it's a better movie than Talladega Nights. So I'm going to take Vice, unfortunately, here for uh, the number two pick. Interesting choice. Um, That was on my radar. Like I said earlier, I liked Vice a good deal. Uh, Really interesting, you know, just melodrama and uh, satirical stuff on our country's history and recent history too, which is pretty scary. Um, But cool. That kind of leaves the door wide open for me on the pure comedy route. I'm not going to take Talladega Nights since obviously we're doing it here. I'm going to go with uh, Step Brothers. I think, again, uh, this I like Step Brothers probably a little bit more than Talladega Nights. Just the duo. Uh, of course, the classic John C. Riley, Will Ferrell. But the parents' angle, I think, is 10 times more interesting um, in Step Brothers. And of course, you got Adam Scott being a psychopath and, and Rob Riggle and a lot of fun side characters there too. But yeah, uh, quotable standpoint, they're probably pretty even. But I think just from an overall script standpoint, uh, Step Brothers is my favorite pure comedy from McKay. So I'll take that at number two here. The Nina, the Penta, the Santa Maria. Iconic stuff. <laughs> they, uh, they just did a reunion for that, I think, too. And uh, Snoop Dogg, I think, was involved. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you at the Catalina Wine Mixer. I'm going to take the one uh, that you want next, I think. The other guys, uh, Cody. And the reason I actually don't love this movie, but it's got the bullet time sequence, which is uh, good filmmaking. So I'm taking it for that for, uh, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, just for the, the filmmaking strategies yeah great movie that was definitely gonna be my next pick really fun cameo from the rock and sam jackson super briefly in the specific scene where will ferrell is talking about uh his tribe of tuna how he's gonna annihilate mark Wahlberg's uh lion pack i think one of the best um just like off the cuff ramblings um in, in a comedy movie ever so, shout out my last pick here i'm actually not gonna go with i think anything that you're gonna expect here like we said uh adam mckay doesn't have too many movies but he does have a couple short films corbin and i'm gonna pick one here i'm gonna go with uh the landlord i'm not sure if you guys have heard of this but uh, if you haven't go look it up immediately it's basically just a little kid berating will ferrell because he's not able to pay rent for the month um, really weird and off kilter, but I think it's really, really funny. So I'm going to take it with my last pick here. Interesting. So can I take like the pilot episode of Succession then? Sure, if you want. This is wide open, bud. Yeah, I. It's. I mean, I, I don't really want Anchorman that much. I wouldn't take Anchorman too. I think you you would have to go the original if you're going to do it. But I'll, I'll take. Yeah, I'll take the pilot of Succession because uh, fuck you, Cody. <laughs> Interesting. What even happens in the pilot? They play baseball. Is that right? Yeah, the, uh, the iconic softball scene. Of course, uh, a little Brian Cox has a brain hemorrhage at the end of it. Uh, you know, Sad. it's all right. Roman has a girlfriend that doesn't exist later and kids that don't exist later. <laughs> That's not important. <laughs> I like that pick. I think uh, 
I like the landlord a little bit better, but they're they're pretty even. Yeah. I just I couldn't bring myself to to take that look up. I'm sorry. I love you, Leo. Shut up, <laughs> Shut up Timmy. Weekly watches. Uh, what are you watching? Cody, it's been a minute, so I'm sure there's a ton, but uh, let's start with the classic Survivor. Just watched it last night. Um, we've, we've had a couple interesting uh, episodes here. Of course, recently, the return of the auction. What did you think of that? I don't hate it. I think, obviously, they, they need to make some changes from, from uh, you know where they had left it. And I like that like it's surrounded by food. That's kind of the cool thing about the newer seasons is uh, they're not giving these people food. That was kind of one of the biggest qualms of, you know, some of the modern seasons before this new age in quotations mark. But I like that, that it is centered around the food, but there is also stakes. Like somebody's vote is still at risk. So I like that. Um, but I thought the vote was really interesting. Um, obviously a couple of massive, uh, massive votes here back to back, pretty great episodes back to back weeks, I would say, surprisingly. Especially after episode one, Corbin. If you remember our reactions, I'm on the podcast after that. I was uh, pretty much out on this season. But um, this blind side of Kelly, I think, will probably be the, the best episode of the season if I if I'm taking a lucky guess here. Um, I thought it was really well handled. I was surprised. I didn't see it coming, and it took out a massive character who a lot of people were connected with. So I think it'll have a lot of repercussions going forward as well. But yeah, what do you think about the season? Do you, do you like the auction in the way they set it up? I as I've only watched a couple like older seasons and the auction was present in a few of them. So it's cool to like see something that seemed like a staple of Survivor, you know, make its return. Um, I don't know if I I think it'll maybe you need a little bit of tweaking with the way like the lose a vote thing works. Maybe like because I hated that people could just be like, I'm bidding six hundred dollars and I'm bidding all my money right now. And then they're out of like the D did that on the chocolate. Show. Like, I wish it was almost like you could only bid as much money as like the net, like that would like block out a person barely. Like you couldn't just give all your money up at once because then that would actually cause a little bit of uh, make things interesting rather than just like, oh, every time here's the next person. And then it came down to Bruce with $80. I will say, I think it's fair that he's the one who got screwed because of the whole, you know, oh, I'm not going to hurry and look for money bit. And I uh, ended up batting him in the ass, but um, cool new invention of the, of an old thing that I really like. And um, I'm excited to hopefully see them do it, but again, you know, play around with it. Um, I thought it was dumb that they then did the like, oh, I'm going to give you rice in this very next immunity challenge after they had all had food. Um, but I loved that uh, Jeff got a little stabby stabby with it to, to raise the stakes. Yeah. Mean Jeff is back. Enough of this. Uh, you know, the quitters have uh, pissed him off. No more snuffing out their torches. It's official. I don't, I don't blame him. Quitters uh, pissed me off as well. So shout out Jeff. But I think it's funny that we got like um, the cancel culture Jeff for like three seasons and now like Dick Jeff is back. It's like cutting the rice. Be like, you need to make a decision now. Um, oh, bouncing off to you with what you said with the auction, just bring back a classic. I feel like this season they have been pandering to the fans a lot more, which obviously I like. Like they brought back the overall theme song, which is amazing, and they should have never cut to begin with. The auction too is something like classic Survivor fans have been clamoring for for a while. It's not. My they haven't done it since but... season thirty. Is that right? Yes, yeah, I, so I don't. Said. I think it was. Is Worlds Apart season 30? I think it might be 29. No, I think San Juan del Sur is 29. You're right. Yeah, Worlds Apart is 30. Uh, great season, uh, but basically it kind of got blown up at the auction in a sense. I don't know if I call it a great season, actually. 
half the characters on that are uh, just complete dickheads, if we're being honest. Shout out Rodney, who never came back, unfortunately. But um, yeah, basically, they just burned down the auction and it pissed Jeff off so much that he's like, we're never doing it again. So I like that they did bring it back under Jeff's kind of, you know, rule in a sense. Like he, he it seems like he had creative control mostly over this. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see where the season goes, man. I, I don't really know where it is. I feel like I will say, I think the Kelly move was the right, like the people that made the move, I think it was the right strategic move for them and it puts them in a, in a better place. I think Austin drew uh, D and Julie are in the power position right now. And if they can maintain that, it'll be interesting, but very rarely does that uh does the people in power at eight stay in power for long yeah the, the question is obviously when are they going to target each other yeah and the issue with it is as well i don't know obviously they had this solid four from the beginning well then we got emily right she's gonna i mean if they just go to the final five like g d and julie are pretty much screwed because obviously emily is going to go with the boys um i think it is a bad move for d specifically as well um, uh, but it's a great move for Emily. I think Emily's long game here is uh shaping up to be pretty good, especially yeah, in episode one. I hate her. I, I couldn't stand her guts from the minute I heard her talk. But I think out of this cast, um, other than Drew, uh D and uh, Austin, I think Emily has the best chance to win by far. So I'm excited to see kind of where they or I guess where she goes in the in the story. I I, I feel like it's scripted, but it's not. Um, but it might be. I don't know. Uh, hoping for a, a final exciting few weeks. Any big prediction, Cody? Ooh, we should do winner picks. I I like Drew or Emily. Those are my two. That's my horses. Uh, Drew's not going to win. No shot. Losers, <laughs> losing nerds like him never win. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, it's that's not the survivor archetype. I, I would say uh, Emily feels strong. Or you were Julie. talking about Bruce, weren't you? No, I mean, he's in a good spot. He's got an idol. I mean, you want immunity, like, sure, but um, it, he'll, I don't know. The Bellow people are done so. I think Bruce might go all the way to the end, but he's not getting any votes. Um, no. Like, that idol is obviously going to be nice and he might just start waving it around uh, right now, honestly, after that vote too. And then people are going to be like, why would we vote out Bruce? No one's going to vote for him at the end. Um, so that'll be interesting too, but yeah, a better season than I thought overall. So pretty positive. Let's start over you though, man. I'm sure you got tons of wrecks. Like you said, it's been a while. What have you uh, been watching? Yeah. I'll, uh, I've, I've seen some new releases, some, you know, potential Oscars talkers. So I'll, I'll get started with the holdovers. Um, new film from Alexander Plain starring Paul Giamatti. Um, I'll say right off the bat, I thought the performances were like all across the board were fantastic. Devine Joy Randolph, that's my pick for best supporting best actress right now. Early uh, lock in there, Cody. So bodes well for your way too early Oscar picks. But she was uh, incredibly moving in this and kind of like, you know, her story with this deceased son that she has. Um, it's a movie that plays exactly as you kind of expect it to there's you know maybe some surprises but nothing that's like it's pretty telegraphed it's a rather heartwarming story and there's nothing about it that feels incredibly risky or like new it is a movie that's very much playing on the idea of the movies in the 70s were great and the movies in the 80s were great um i think it's incredibly well made incredibly well acted it's not my favorite of the year but it's a great one 
to see with your parents over the next couple months. I'll say that. If you if you are on Friday, Black Friday, want to go check out a movie with the, the fam, go see the holdovers. It's going to be continually opening wider as the weeks go on. So maybe it'll even be closer to Christmas when you have a chance to see it. Um, definitely a great parent flick. I also saw Priscilla, which I didn't quite like as much. Um, and I don't really think it has as much of a Oscar's chance. Um, by the way, holdovers might be a sleeper, like could come in and win best picture pick. Like it, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like Coda in that way of like, it's a movie that makes you feel good at the end. It's a movie that will play to an older academy. Um, I don't know. It might have a lot of things going for it, but the Oppenheimer uh, bomb that it is and quite, you know, not actually, but the power of the nuke is uh, pretty strong. We'll see. Um, but in terms of Priscilla, uh, I thought it was an interesting movie. They don't use any of the real Elvis music because they aren't allowed to. Uh, they didn't have permission from the estate. So I think the ways that it navigates that are really interesting and the music it does choose is actually pretty successful. Um, outside of that, I just thought it was a, an okay movie. Like I, I just, I'm not really sure. It's kind of one of those ones where I wish I would have seen more of Priscilla's life after the point at which the movie ends because it kind of, not to spoil too much, but it, it ends at the point in which she leaves Elvis's life. Um, it, which is where the book that it's based on ends. But she went on to, you know, have a career in acting and do other things. And I think it could be a more powerful story focusing on, you know, seeing the things that happens after she leaves rather than just like that this was like an abusive relationship and that sucked. Because to me, that's kind of just like what the message was. Um, and it definitely was a, a very abusive relationship. And Elvis groomed this 14-year-old girl to be his wife. And that is not good. Um, a movie that I saw that I really, really liked, and I don't think you've seen, and I would recommend you check out is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Cody, have you ever uh, seen that one? I've not. That's one of the uh, the few Finchmans I haven't seen. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Daniel Craig, shout out. Yeah. Obviously, you've said I'm a big Fincher fan in the past. Uh, this still comes in, I think, as like his my fourth favorite of his movies, but it's a four and a half star movie. Like I really enjoyed the procedural nature of it. Um, obviously, it's a, based on a the first part of a popular Swedish trilogy in which there's even a trilogy of movies that was made in Sweden following the story that you can go see. Um, but it's Fincher doing what Fincher does best. Dark, brooding, procedural, extremely gross, extremely just like at points, I had to skip a point of the movie. It's really hard to watch, but there's, there's the power of the method in the movie uh, that he is able to capture better than anyone else. And when it comes to a crime and a you know, like a investigation story. He is the master of that, whether it be in seven, whether it be in Zodiac and, you know, whether it be him being a, you know, killer in, in the killer. Um, he's so great and uh, definitely recommend the girl with the dragon tattoo. Also rewatched Gone Girl with the, the David Fincher director commentary as well, which is just a, a fun treat. <laughs> if you're ever uh, looking to rewatch a, a previous movie we've done on the, the podcast. Also saw Saltburn. Another new release. Yeah. I don't, Cody, this movie's fucking insane. It's so fucked. Crazy. Uh, yeah. I, I really can't say too much uh, without spoiling the actions of it, but Barry Keown is absolutely unhinged. Uh, the visuals are incredible, but it's a lot of stuff in front of your face without a lot of substance behind it. I think that's my just general feeling on it. And Emerald Fennell is not a filmmaker that uh, I connect with, I think Promising Young Woman is a problematic movie in its own regard. And I think there's 
incredible style, incredible composition, uh, but it's not doing a whole lot beyond that. There's there's some scenes that I want to talk about with people, but I just can't because nobody's fucking seen this movie. So uh, <laughs> for that for that very reason, like it it begs uh, it makes you want to you know talk about the the fucked up crazy shit that happens, but it's it's it's, it's something. Hot pe- people are hot. I'll say that. A lot of hot people. But, yeah, we like that. We'll, um, we'll talk about it when I check it out. Yeah. The last one, the Marvels, Cody. Let's, uh, let's talk about that one. What did you, what did you think about it? <laughs> I personally um, was not a big fan of too much in it. Uh, I mean, most, most, most of the story beats I thought were utterly atrocious. But... Um, you know the the main three, the core three, the Marvels. I thought they were good, but kind of everything surrounding them, I, I just really disliked. The villain was terrible. All the Nick Fury stuff was What's terrible. What's your name? I don't know. It's like Cobbin Burr something. That's close, I bet. But that's not it. Um, it's like trying to name off Jude Law's character. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, it's, it has very similar problems to uh, to the yeah. first movie as well. Um, I think this would just be better as a Miss Marvel movie. And that's kind of what it is. It's very clear that that probably isn't what it was originally intended to be. And then they realized they had a fucking shit show on their hands of these last couple of movies. So they were like, let's cut this thing down to an hour, 42 minutes and only leave in the Miss Marvel family stuff. That stuff works. I think it's good. I, I love Amon Vellani. Um, I thought Brie Larson and Tiana Paris were yeah, especially town of Paris. Like, I think she's a great actress, but like, they didn't give her like anything to do in this other than just like be sad that she hasn't seen Brie Larson in 20 years. And first of all, I think that's a fucking dumb story beat that they barely explain in the, the film overall. And yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of, of too much. And um, I thought the way it ended was stupid, but, uh, and it's still better than quantum media. So that's a hard disagree for me, but um, I agree. I think Amon Vellani is by far the best thing in this movie. Um, I was a big fan of the Miss Marvel show. And like I said, it's kind of just carrying over that entirely with her family stuff, which I did like a lot. Uh, um, I, th- I think like the switching of powers, that's a good enough concept to like start the movie, but it kind of just didn't go anywhere. And then once right. they kind of Again, it's that just out, like everything just doesn't go anywhere. Like it, it leads to uh, a cool montage, but in the final and yeah basically i think what they wanted it to lead to uh was the post credit scenes obviously i think a lot of the ending was chopped up a little bit just to get like you said tiana paris in that specific spot what what do you think about that yeah i mean we gotta get your thoughts on uh spoiler alert obviously if you haven't seen the marvels but we're gonna talk spoilers for the end credits what, what do you think about uh some cgi there man yeah i mean not the best uh cgi overall i think it was disappointing i i felt just kind of disappointed because to me it was like oh this is this is what we're gonna do and, and this is we're really doing that and i don't know i didn't i don't want to see those characters again in this universe to be honest i wanted a new thing the thing is i don't really understand it because <laughs> well, are they bringing back well obviously but, but like are they bringing back the og x-men cast like are we getting patrick stewart again are we actually getting Kelsey Grammer again for like five more movies? Like, I don't want to see these washed up actors in these roles. So obviously it could just be like a multiversal story where they all end up dying or something, but I just don't find it interesting to bring back the original cast again when they've done it like 10 times already. 
Do you think Tiana Paris is in Deadpool 3 at all? Like, is that a connection there? I kind of threw this out to you before that that's like maybe what's happening. I mean, I think obviously it's, this is all setting up Secret Wars, right? Like that's the big, that's what it's all about. I would think that we wouldn't see Tiana Paris, maybe in, maybe an end credit scene or like the very last scene of, of Deadpool 3. I'd be surprised Lashana if she's the main player. I like Lashana, like the thing is I like all of these actresses um in the, like the Marvel's movie here but just the story is is terrible and um I think Marvel's going to be doing a lot of rebuilding. What do you think too about um the Kate Bishop like do you have any interest in like a young Avengers storyline? Like I don't even know is that going to be a, a show is that going to be a movie? I don't know. Well, right, because it's something that has not been officially announced, right? But it's been clear for four years now that they've been slowly setting this up. Um, it just feels like, again, it's it's the thing of like, in the early days of Marvel, they didn't really know what they were doing, but they managed to eventually focus in on the Thanos thing and like stick with it. Whereas like now it's, they're kind of putting out feelers of like six different things that they're doing and they don't really want to commit to any of them. So if they would just fucking commit to something and like, be like, we're going all in on it. Sure. I'd be into it. But when you're like, like are, are Wanda's kids from the WandaVision show, like are those actors going to show up is the kid who was the grandson of uh, the uh, other Captain America, super soldier, the African-American man from uh, Falcon and the winter Soldier? is that kid that they were maybe so. backdoor set. Like, is that act? Like, that's the other thing I don't know. Like, are we supposed to care about these people or characters or are they going to do what they did with Cassie Lang and recast as some just some new actor whenever the time shows up? Because also the, the ages are all over the place in terms of, like, Haley Steinfeld, yeah, she's young, but she's not, like, a kid anymore. She is an adult. I'm, I mean, I'm not really sure what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> she's an adult, 100%. So Whereas like kidding. Wanda's kids are children, so I I don't like know. 10. Yeah. What about uh Hulk's kid? How old is he? We don't. Right. Know. Yeah, I forgot about that too. She Hulk. <laughs> I mean, again, like there's probably even. I mean, Miss Marvel, of course, being the leader. I like Ralph, that idea. Ralph Boner too. He's got to come back, right? Yeah. He's good. <laughs> um, yeah. A big a big mess with the Marvels. We love God. Goose, and we got a lot of cats, Cody. We our our cat content was fulfilled. So they they hit the mark on that note. I was happy. I was happy with the uh, the goose and, and the cat content. Um, kind of a fun moment at the end. I I think that fits like the the tone of the movie, but everything else kind of. <laughs> um. Anyway, it fucking I'll get, sucks I'll the go. way Nia DaCosta is being treated in the media right now. Um. Yeah. Just the. The, the like oh she why oh here's the headline from the hollywood reporter why did nita costa not show up to the cast and crew screening and then you read the article and it's like well it was on her birthday and she already had plans and she was also not even invited to be there and just like all this shit that marvel's you know the the marvel leaking out that she wasn't around for the post-production like i said in last episode after they had fucking pushed the movie back a year and a half like she shouldn't really be directing movies like, like i don't really know why like I'd rather she be doing something better than this. Um, she's like, I don't think she's a blockbuster comic book movie director. Like I think she could make cool horror movies. I think she'd make cool dramas, but why are we putting people like fucking Bowden and Fleck directing these movies? It doesn't make any sense. I agree. And then in a sense, when these movies are bad and similar with like Chloe Zhao, like they take a really yeah, same thing. modern female director. You're just fucking ruining people. 
their names just get dragged through the mud at the end of it because oh it must be their fault not nah, it, it's marvel's fault and uh they need to make a lot of changes but this was uh i think a, a big enough box office bump to maybe wake them up a little bit so it'll be interesting to see uh what comes of it but like i said uh i do i'll go through uh, a couple of my racks Obviously, uh, the Marvels already touched on. I will touch quickly as well on Loki Season 2, which I actually would highly recommend, especially to you, Corvina. But um, it's a bit of a slow burn. The first few episodes, you're probably just going to have to, uh, you know, grind through it whenever Kihei Kwan is on the screen. Shout out to that guy. But uh, the, the last two episodes, I, I really do enjoy a lot. And I think it does actually kind of uh, bring a cool scope uh, to the overall Marvel Universe. So I'd recommend it. Tom Hiddleston's awesome. I hope we see him again. I I would guess that we won't. So I'd recommend that out. I'd recommend that highly because it might be the last time we do see him. Other random stuff. Corbin, have you watched the new Nathan Fielder uh, series called The Curse? I don't have a Showtime account. So I my plan is to wait until it is fully released because they're doing episodic uh, releases. Yeah. So I watched the first episode because it's on Paramount Plus uh, as well, along with Showtime. I think Showtime's kind of just like an add-on to Paramount Plus now. Yeah, I think cool. you have to pay, like have the Showtime add-on, which I don't for Paramount Plus, which we get it, Cody. You know, fucking Mr. Moneybags over there got Showtime <laughs> and Paramount Actually, Plus. I still, uh, I still Paramount Plus from uh, my mom, but I do have a lot of other streaming services. So I, I appreciate the shout-out. Um, anyways, the Cursed. I watched the first episode. It is weird as shit, dude. Um, I didn't really like it, if I'm being completely honest. Another episode came out, and I don't plan on watching it anytime soon. Um, you might have to just watch the first episode because it's it is fucking weird, dude. Um, but shout out Nathan Fielder. I still like that guy. Emma Stone's awesome. I didn't realize Benny Safdie is like the other guy in it, and they have and like complete, the co-director of the yeah, show. They have it's complete control like... over the entire show. Like it's it's those three pretty much. I feel like are just making the show. Um, the concept's weird. The comedy stuff, I like some of it, but some of it, I feel like they just go way too far. Also, um, Corbin Burnson is in this first episode. Uh, shout out Sight. He's got a really weird scene, I'll tell you what, but uh, you might just have to look up specifically. Well, I've seen uh, talk of prosthetics on Twitter, so I, I know some <laughs> things that do yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's uh, here's what i'll say i plan to watch it and i i think i'm gonna really try and watch the whole thing maybe i'll hate it and i'll be turned off but i've seen the 20 percent rotten tomato score that continues to get lower and lower as each episode releases but i really like nathan fielder i i uh really really love the rehearsal that he did um and even if i don't like the show all of the ancillary marketing material that Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder are doing around this show is enough and worth it. Uh, I got to shout out the, uh, the anyone but you, uh, the 24-hour the turnaround on the, the, the Glenn Powell, Sydney Sweeney uh, parody video that they did uh, before the trailer of the, the latest uh, episodes of The Curse. They're, they're working overtime. Their appearances on Jimmy Kimmel have been great. Uh, I, I love Emma Stone and it, this is cool. I think it's going to this is a good, you know, press tour for her getting a chance to promote stuff. She's got poor things coming out in the next couple of weeks. We're going to see a lot more of her. Um, and I, I think it's, it's cool that she's involved with this and, and that Benny Safdie's there too. It, it, it's a really fun project. 
Yeah, I think I'm out on base after two of Did you heartbreaking news? Did you hear about the the Adam Sandler Safdie brothers project is going to be delayed because they were hoping to film it over this NBA season and the strikes push stuff back. So we might not get it for a while. It's all right. I think um, they're a good pairing. I think uh, regardless, whenever that comes out, I'll be excited to see it, obviously. Um, but yeah, the series is wild. Like you said, all the promotional material is, is amazing. And I'm on board with that. But uh, it's also like, I think it's like 50 minute episodes. Like it's ridiculously fucking long. And I hated watching the first one. So I don't think I'll go back. Um, but other than that, I have checked out some other movies here recently. Um, actually, just a couple other than the Marvels. So first off, on Max as well, uh, Blue Beetle was released on there. So I was like, hey, I, I missed that in theaters. I'll definitely check it out. And I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I feel like my big downside with this movie was I saw pretty much the entirety of the movie in the trailer, which, of course, is a classic DC superhero thing to do. But kind of just like the family dynamic I liked a lot. I liked George Lopez like 10 times more than I thought he would um, in the movie. And it was cool, like, the world building they did as well with, like, the original Blue Beetle hero. And they set up for a sequel as well, which I'm kind of on board with, um, if I'm being honest. Like I said, I, I think the family dynamic was the standout. They had me tearing up at the end, Corbin, um, which is I, tough from a Blue I got a little wet-eyed, too. This was a... I, the thing that, like, this is a, something I think I mentioned, like, this is a story about, like, that feels maybe even more so, like, a couple of years ago like feels very rebel like story about immigrants like there's a scene in this where like basically ice shows up to this latino family's house and is like breaking like you know ripping them apart from each other and then there's a spoiler a death that happens right that's very emotional in the movie and yeah i think it is uh at its core like it's a fun family story it's just you know the cgi is fine the fucking shitty hud is bad the weird alien like i it just it fails in a lot of uh unfortunate ways it feels like a movie that probably would play really well on a streaming service like it was supposed to yeah, uh, also susan sarandon is just terrible just yeah. completely. But, what a villain yeah that's bad um but it does have like a goose-esque death uh top gun where i was surprised and it kind of hit me in the heartstrings so shout out blue beetle if you haven't seen it i, I would recommend that on max as well and then the last thing that i checked out on Max 2, I was trying to just clear out everything because there's a bunch of stuff leaving as well. But I checked out Silence of the Lambs, um, which that. was the first time I'd ever actually seen it, too. Uh, so that was fun. But just mostly Anthony Hopkins being a complete weirdo, uh, which I did enjoy. I'm not going to lie. And then you have like the Jodie Foster kind of subplot, which I didn't enjoy as much. I think it is interesting looking at you know, the psychoanalysis of a killer in a sense, especially like a serial killer, like the one that was portrayed, obviously. And then kind of everything that goes along with that with trying to track them down um, was super cool. Um, the Anthony Hopkins reveal too of like the face thing was awesome. And I didn't see it coming, even though I've seen the episode of The Office about a hundred times where <laughs> Dwight makes a Silence of the Lambs reference. Um, but that like prosthetic makeup is is really cool and probably one of the best reveals of all time, um, if I'm being honest. But yeah, great performance uh, from uh, pretty much the whole crew and, and something I would recommend as well. But that was pretty much. Oh, and then lastly, a couple of tiny things. It's college basketball season. So I've been into that a lot. That's why I haven't seen as much of the recent stuff. 
Um, and then as well too, I've I've been rewatching Survivor uh, season forty, Winners at War. Uh, pretty good season, Corbin. I, I think you've seen some of that, but I did watch some of it with you. I, I think live when it was on. It's awesome, but um, if you're a Survivor fan, I'd I'd recommend that. But because uh, I, I don't know, like this new season kind of just got me rejuvenated a little bit. I was like, hey, remember when Survivor was good? So I kind of just wanted to go back. I'm on um. I'm past the merge. I'm like three votes deep into the merge. So I've been binging it pretty good. Anybody, but, uh, uh, the anybody end of- canceled yet? <laughs> um, I don't think so. Actually, season 40 was pretty good from the cancel culture. Um, just because, I mean, they paid everybody pretty good money to come back. So nobody was a massive dick. Wendell is kind of like the quote unquote villain character, I guess, who Michelle has real beef with, especially in the pre-merge. But I like Wendell. He's a cool dude. But the ending of, of season 40, it's going to make me tear up again as well. So I have an update on that. But uh, yeah, that was all my works this week. Good stuff, Cody. Glad you're uh, continuing to watch stuff. I would recommend checking out uh, other episodes of our podcast as well as uh, the new series MK300. We will also be back with some uh, first Friday five, hopefully in the month of December. And uh, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. More to come. Stay capping. Peace. Peace. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.